Hi, welcome to the Artificial Intelligence, Machine Learning and Data Science Weekly Podcast. My name is Kwan Hong, or you can call me KH. In this show, I'll be talking to AI, ML and data science practitioners around the region. In each episode, I will dive into relevant and interesting AI, ML topics, where you get to know more about topics ranging from AI, ML adoption, best practices, and tips and tricks to be a better AI, ML data science practitioner. Hi. Welcome to another episode of AI, ML, and Data Talk podcast. In today's episode, I'm happy to have Hafiz Nasri, who is the head of data services of PwC, as a guest for the show. Hi, Hafiz. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, hi, Gish. How are you? Good, good. <laughs> okay, so I think uh, we follow the normal show flow of this podcast. Huh? So basically, mm-hmm. normally, I would like to know our listener to get to know more about you. Maybe you can start up your self-introduction or talk something about your childhood, uh, maybe something about your education and then uh, what leads you to your current uh, position as a, uh, something about your career path. Okay, sure. Uh, first of all, thank you, Kesh, for inviting me as uh, your podcast guest. Uh, and uh, I think I can, I think I start my introduction with, uh, you know, like my childhood. I think I, uh, I was, I was born in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, right now, I'm, um, my, I mean, I towards nearing the end of my thirties, <laughs> and uh, and and um, I I have a, a degree and also masters in computer system engineering from one of the university in UK, and and now I'm working as the head of data services in uh, PwC Malaysia, uh, which I handles the. Uh, data services pillars for PwC Malaysia and Vietnam. Basically, um, this is a new setup in PwC where they have just uh, established an internal data team, internal data services team, where which will, uh, which I I have the responsibility responsibility to build the internal data capability for PwC lah. And um and before this I work as the head of data science uh in Tashengo and, and also as head of data operation and data engineering in Media Prima Digital. And I have uh I think I have deployed and uh, I think I have delivered various of data science machine learning and some sort of like some part of AI projects in in in, in all those organizations. And I am also the co-founder of Data Science Malaysia, uh, one of the data science community in Malaysia. I've uh, established the data science uh, community back in 2019 or 2018, I can recall, uh, which now has around about almost 10K of members. And normally over there in, in the Facebook group, we talk about uh, the latest technology of data we shared about our experience uh, in uh, data science, AI, and machine learning. And also we connect with uh, others community like AI, R, like your community as well, Kesh, yep. and, uh, and, and, and some, some of other community as well, right? And um, I think that's all. That's a bit of introduction about myself. Ooh. So I think the based on your introduction, I already have some intrigued question that in mind that uh, I will probably the listener also mm-hmm. would, would like to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is the difference between data services and data science? So because previously you were working as head of data science mm-hmm. uh, in Touch and Go, and now you mm-hmm. are head of some data services. So mm-hmm. what what what's what's the differences? Uh, uh, what are the differences of these two, two <laughs> jobs? I think the differences is I think just in the title or in the name, both basically. Uh, my role both basically uh, being responsible of uh, either setting up the data team, looking over the data engineering uh, unit and also data science unit. And most of uh, and most of uh, the, the, the work that I did uh, on my day to day is looking uh, into data, data science, data analytics, uh, data modeling, and also uh, looking looking after the data engineering team, but now my portfolio has uh expanded a bit. I'm not just looking into those data team, but I also looking. But I also have uh quality 
assurance engineer under me and also DevOps, which look after our infrastructure like cloud engineering, uh, provisioning, all those VMs uh, and what's not for, for the team as well. And the most interesting part now is just now I mentioned about QA engineers, right? And I think in data space, we often forget that one uh, crucial part in the whole data ecosystem is doing data validation where you need to ensure your data quality and also uh, your your data management process are in place and what's not. So I think that's why I feel that there is a niche role that I that we uh, create in this team, in the data services team, where it looks after the data validation, uh, ETL pipelines, and, and making sure that our data is accurate, the quality is top-notch and what's not. Okay, so I think this is uh, one of the movements that started uh, recently, especially from Andrew Ng. So they are yeah. moving from what we call model-centric to data-centric. Yeah. As we know that uh, uh, last time we talked about how, how to improve the model by actually playing uh, with different different models and then we actually move one mode from one model to another model. But, even, but eventually we found that uh, because the data is not in good quality, whatever model mm -hmm. we use also, it will not produce a, a good performance or good accuracy. Now, like you said, uh, we, we have to make sure the quality of data and make sure <laughs> there's someone to actually make sure the quality of data is there then only can we can actually talk about the, the model performance I, I i think there's something interesting so when you talk about the quality the, the data so what are the job uh, that actually your 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 team will especially this quality assurance team what do they do okay. actually okay so basically right uh, as you know data engineers they normally building up those pipeline doing the etl process do all those cleanup of the data or even building up uh, sort of like data lakes or your data warehouse, right? And oftentimes they are they are not the one that being you know, uh, being able to look into the nitty gritty of of your data quality. So that's why I think uh, uh we created this uh role and also this scope within our team that look after the data validation, uh where where the where the engineers will look uh entirely into the data quality and when you talk about data quality right you saying you you uh, it means that you look into the data completeness you look into the data accurate accuracy and as well as you look into the to ensure that your data is um, can 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 be used um, in your mod model building or in your insights and what's not so i feel that now is a trend for most of the company that looking for building an enterprise sort of data products. They start to look into this role more seriously. And this role, I think, uh, over the time will have potential. And uh and 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 like 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 for example, the normal QA, right? That that do quality assurance on, for example, on application or web, web services or web apps. They can now goes into this field where they specifically look into the data validation part, where you need to be able to you know query those data, ensure those data are, is complete, accurate, and 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 timely lah. So that can be used for for analytics or for building up model and what's not. Okay, so who are these people that uh, you actually set aside? What are the skill set? Uh, is it uh, is it uh people who actually previously working as a data engineer or you are you have a people who previously working in the DevOps that you actually reassign them to do all these uh, data uh, validation or data quality check? Yeah, mostly the skill set that we look into for this role is someone that really have a strong background in uh, SQL, right? And, and, and some of them, like one of, one of my team members really have an ETL background. Like she used to be a a data engineer before before she moving up moving out to to look into some other scopes like the data governance the the, the data quality and what's not so i feel that the this person that look after the data quality and data assurance must have a strong skill set on understanding what sort of like governance that you wanted to put in in your data solutions or data products 
and then it must have they must have a strong uh proficiencies in 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 SQL to query all those data and then to investigate and do forensics on your data that available in your data store or data mart or in your data lakes. So I feel that um having capability to understand the whole uh, process, ETL and what's not, also one of the added advantage uh, for this role as well. Um, and, and, and I see the growth of this role um, over the time. I see. It's quite interesting because I think uh, five years ago or more than five years ago, there was this hype about data science and then yeah. everybody's talking about data scientists, data scientists, you know, data scientists is the next rock star. And then that's yeah. where uh, then people say there's a lot of gap uh, in the data, data science uh, 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 specialization in Malaysia. I think four or five years ago, then most of the UCT starting to jump into the bandwagon, starting to offer uh, data science specialization. Uh, and uh, I think by now, four or five years later, there's a, you can see a more and more UCT producing a lot of graduates. But the problem is that most of these graduates, when they come up there, they haven't really deal with the messy data. Because even in UCT, when they practice, they all deal with nice Kaggle data, yeah. <laughs> which has already been validated, been, there's yeah. no quality check, whatever. Uh, yeah. I think that what you are saying, that uh, this is the real world needs. So as time evolves, people realize that the quality data is very, very important. And then, yeah, so yeah. there is a there's a new job scope there. You know, most of the graduate even now, even they graduated, they will not have this uh, right skill set to to actually feel what is the needs in the industry yeah. at the moment. And 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 most of the challenge, right, uh, that I face when I like sort of like building up use cases, especially with the financial institution, is always on their data quality. And oftentimes, when we build a model or if we build an insights or even if we build a reporting to them, they would. The first thing that would they normally would ask us as a data scientist or or as a data team is how accurate is your data? How you ensure your, that your data is taken from a right source? How you ensure your process of ETL is correct? How 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 do you enforce your formula formulation and what's not your model building selection feature is correct and what's not? So I think and and oftentimes right. Data sits on the large organization, especially like banks or, or big organization. It's very messy because most of the operational uh, system that was built legacy, right? Uh, they didn't often think about all this process to ensure that your data source is, is, is tidy enough for your analytics. So most of the time, 80% of the time for, for the, those data scientists, they need to clean up those data and for data engineer as well and and the important route now i can see that not now i can i can say that those data let's like those qa engineer right they play an essential role lah in now towards the data space because they they have those uh testing capability but also they can look into those those data how 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 the what is the value of those data how the ETL process is being done so those uh, now have become the emerging sort of role in the data space. Uh. Interesting. Yeah. Can you share the, what are the, some of the interesting projects that you have done or in the current company or in your previous company and maybe you know, some of the challenges that you face? Yeah. So, so the most, I think the interesting, one of the interesting projects that I've done uh, recently is uh, I work with one of the banks uh, to come out with the moratorium analytics where we did sort of like segmentation and clustering of the most impacted uh, uh, client or users for the, those banks. So basically the problem statement is we're working with the collection department of those banks and they would try to identify who is the real true positive of the user that cannot afford basically to pay or to extend the moratorium. So we, 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 we based on our model, we build a model to identify who are the low risk user, uh, high, high medium risk user and high risk user that, that most potentially would be able to extend the moratorium based on certain parameters and based on certain condition. So with this, right, with these uh, use cases, it helps the, the the banks to 
ensure their their exposure rates uh, well within their targeted rates and also to ensure that they know exactly who are their clients that you know that really that really need help or really need assistance from from those those uh, banks and what's not so i think those are one of uh, uh, interesting use cases that i've been recently like and, what's and that? What's the accuracy yeah. of that model? Do do you do you look at any you no know, accuracy? Yeah, we we I think if I can recall the accuracy is around 98, 90 to ninety two percent accuracy. Okay. But but we but we also right we do the back testing for for those model where we try to analyze back right and we try to implement the model and in, analyze back whether our result is matching. Uh, the 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 segmentation that we built, and uh, it did, and it did help the banks to you know to help their customers in those trying times, lah. I see. Mm. I I I'm always uh quite curious to know that whenever we deploy all these machine learning product, especially mm. you know, for example, like you say to banks. Mm-hmm. How much of uh, reliance of the bank on this uh, the the model output? Is this is, do do they just mm-hmm. you know fully rely on the model output to make a decision, or they supplement it with the human uh, human uh, decision making? They just that, use one. <laughs> I just I just curious about that. That is an interesting question. You know, like I always have this uh this <laughs> this. I always wanted to share this lah. I feel that I feel that whatever we be right as a data team. Um, somehow the business business users they already know or somehow they have the gut feeling that this is uh this is the 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 output or this is the 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 how how the business looks like lah, right most of the time because they are the subject matter expert they have been dealing with this problem statement with this you know data and this uh, issues for some time and they use. Even though they they're not building an advanced model, but they still use data to analyze and 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 building up the solution for their for their business lah. And and most of the time, the the model that we build is not entirely uh replacing the current or traditional uh methodology that they have, but rather, I think they most of the time business unit they make comparison which are the model that they can go at that time, right? And complement it with the traditional and conventional way of uh, identifying uh, problematic customer, for example, or segmenting uh, uh, loyal users, for example. So I feel that um, data solution mostly complementing uh, conventional ways, not entirely uh, replacing the old mod- model. Yeah. So that's why you can say that uh, even though you can hit 90, 90 plus percent. Mm. I I feel that I I again back to the the, the even the use case of a moratorium. And I think uh, being a bank, if you can give a loan to somebody, I think you you should know who are the people that you're giving the the loan to, yes. and then you probably know them for some time already. Yeah. And then yeah. and then based on the your relationship with them, because these are people who who are not first timer coming to your bank, they are your long term mm. customer. Mm. You should already you 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 the subject matter expert should already know whether yeah. these are people they can actually extend the monitor and then these are people who think who who actually can actually afford to pay back the loan. I think with your with with your model, I think this actually really supplement them and then reinforce their, their yeah. decision making. And 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 I feel right like like what you said right like um complementing and all. The, the the challenge that I feel in banking right in building up data use cases is not always using the data that the bank has but rather to look beyond that you know like for example for example i give like all i think all financial institution um they 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 trying hard to understand who are the who are their who are their potential user outside that is not already their clients right so where do we get those data if they ask us that question so those are the i think most of the financial institution challenge and and also for the data team to come out with those prediction because you know lah Malaysia we don't have sort of like granular data that publicly available that's always been a case right if let's say we want those data we really need to buy highly aggregated data outside mean from third party vendors or from other parties and what's not so I feel those are 
challenge in financial institution or fintech. Yeah, I I I understand your the 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 needs for bank to go beyond the current customer. Yeah, yeah. So, but then the how how do you feel that uh, like you said you one of the way to actually go beyond that is to actually look for data that is not from the current current bank. Yeah, yeah. But then you will buy data from a third party uh, vendors whatever. Yeah. But then and the, but then the, the in Malaysia we have so many data breaches. Yes, yes, incidents. Yes. How how do you see that? I <laughs> uh, I think like I think like by now, uh, the, the whole wide yeah. world already have all the data about our, our relation because if government entities that data breach now there's a uh, recently uh, IP eighty eight another data breach. I think probably all of us uh, the world already know everything about us already. Yeah, I I I feel that. I feel that the 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 government should look. Of how to revamp the the current PDP PDPA Act, right, and uh and 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 try to seek the guidance from people that working on data, especially the community like you, like myself, all those data practitioners, AI expert, ML expert, so that or or even marketing people, right, digital marketing people, because um uh, we really need to tighten up our process lah and, and governance on those data and also especially on the personal data and and i feel i feel right that um that uh that that for example we like in, in malaysia we don't have the secondary data use sort of policy like for example let's say how 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 can we protect our citizen from being targeted in facebook or being targeted in google for example lah right using using all those data that they can buy outside so those are the things that government should look into and should tighten up the whole data governance process data frame data governance framework and what's not and yeah. i would love to help government on on helping this lah I, i'm pretty sure you also Cash would love to help our country on this. Yeah, so I think, uh, like you said, uh, enfor- uh, 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 enforcing the act or you no know, improve the current PDP PDPA act is very important. Another yeah. thing is about you no know, the awareness about you no know, the importance of security and data data governance. A lot of time, people are actually dealing with a lot of data, but they do not know how to protect the data and then how to you know make sure that they, they safeguard the data. <laughs> I yes. think there's something, yes. some uh, something that uh, is very lacking. You know? And then uh, even the whenever there's any data breach incident, why mm. it takes so long to report to us? You no, know? yeah, right. after that, is there any penalty? Can you cannot yes. just simply say that uh, I uh, there's a data breach and then there's no consequences? No. Yes. Correct. Especially when you talk about all these uh, banking data, though. No? Yeah. It means you have not been protecting your data very well, and then you don't. After you have the breaches, there's no that you you don't take uh, the full responsibility. You don't even inform us at the you no know, at the latest yeah. uh, time, and yeah. then is there any penalty? No, is there any uh, 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 do the government actually do do something about that? Yeah. So I I feel like everybody can just report any data breach, but they don't. There's no legal legal no consequences. Yeah. True. True. I mean. I mean. I mean that that's one thing, and and. And and I feel that like like for example right like those PDPA act and what's not those are very general policy you know, and where very are the enforcement where are the enforcement and like you said what are the consequences to the organization that that, that really don't adhere, and even right the simplest thing like last time if you remember during our pandemic time and what's not, the the personal data that we share is just you know like that where we we. Like people that can just put in their IC for phone number on a, on a paper to to go in into let's say premises and what's not, so I feel that those things need to be really enforced, really need to be tightened up and 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 they really need to do something lah on on this data, the whole data governance and what's not. Yeah, it it it, it takes both sides. Yeah. Where where one one side is uh uh no. Do they have the right to collect all these data? The other side, do we know as a as a as a user, as an end user, do we know our right? You know? we, we simply yeah. give our data away. We don't even care. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. also another problem. You no, know? <laughs> yeah. true, true, true. Okay. Uh, next thing I want to you know probably will, uh, our listener also will be quite interested to know is what kind of work do you do every day? 
Okay. Uh, okay. Now, if if I want to be honest, now I'm more into strategic role, lah, right? Because I head, heading the team of data engineers, data scientists, and and some some of other roles as well. Uh, but time to time, what we did is uh we look into building up data, um data. We we provide the data services capability to internal and also to external client. Um, uh, right now my team is involving in building up the global reporting dashboard or global reporting analytics for whole PwC, and uh, those are internal projects. And for external projects, we working with some of the clients on the data solution lah, right? Data analytics, data science, and what's not. And uh, most of my day to day jobs is basically uh working on uh on on a strategic level uh getting those projects uh. To be initiated and 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 talking to our stakeholder on what sort of like problem statement that they wanted to 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 solve using data and most of the time i derive trying to derive uh, the business value out of the data that they have for example let's say if they are looking into uh, uh looking into building up a customer segmentation then we look into the data and we we look into what sort of like segmentation that we can build or if they look into uh building up uh, uh trying to target their clients then we try to uh building up a recommendation system or what's not to to those clients lah. and uh and 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 most of the time i did sort of like 50-50 sort of management and also another 50% on the technical part where I also look into the whole solution architecture of those uh, data solution. Looking and designing the data model and if let's say we require to build a uh, machine learning model, then we look into building up and design those uh, models as well. So my job is basically um, looking at uh, those things, lah, right? And uh, and I feel that if you, if you want to to go deeper, like if I if I go to my role as a data scientist, most of the time we look into solving uh, data problems or solving business problems using data lah. And uh, and we use tools like uh, Python, uh, R. We use uh, even Excel. And uh, and and for data engineering part, we building a lot of solution on cloud. I have experience in uh, multiple cloud like AWS, GCP, and now I'm working uh, on Microsoft Azure in building up those solutions on top of the cloud. And, and also, I also uh, started to look into modernizing the, for, for example, data lakes and, and, and also data solution. Like we are trying now to experiment and and start to use uh tools more advanced tools like DataBricks, Snowflakes, and also some other some other newest technology lah, and try to complement that into our existing solution and what's not. Yeah, so okay. those are basically in in general what I did on my daily basis lah. Interesting. So as a team lead, what do you think is your biggest challenge? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the biggest challenge is always uh getting the buy-in for, for from stakeholder on whatever solution that we have built uh to them. That's why I think part of building up data solution or building up machine learning model or your machine learning solution is always on the explainability, where you need to explain what's what I what what the things that you built for them. And when you talk about model, right, and or or some of your prediction that you built. For for the client for the stakeholder, right? When you say when when you say like okay, you hit ninety percent accuracy, most of the time business user they don't understand that, so so they most likely wanted to see what's your what are what are your what are your your result out of your model lah. Like for example lah, for example last time when I was in Media Prima, we building up uh, a recommendation engine for one of the newspaper or news site. And uh, and and they don't normally understand how those mechanism of uh, recommendation engine works, but they look into some other metrics like uh, click through rates. They look into engagement and all those metrics. Uh, and 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 those are how they 
benefits from whatever solution that you bid to them lah. So I feel those are the challenges that 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 apart from the one that I mentioned before, like for example, um normally for a data scientist, right? Those limitation is not only comes in from the data that you have for those organization, but also from the external data that you might get somewhere else. So that's always a challenge for me lah when I work in a data project for this one. Yeah, I think this is a common uh, challenge is how, how to manage stakeholder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I, I have the same problem. So one of the mm-hmm. biggest problems is to, communi- to communicate, you know, to bring yourself, not to not talk about technical, but bring yourself to the level that the stakeholder can understand and then to yes. see, they can see the commercial value of the solution that you're building for them. Yes. That's very yes. important. Yeah. So I think that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the biggest, uh, I think a lot of uh, junior data scientists or fresh graduates they don't have this experience, you know, how to manage stakeholder, manage expectation, mm-hmm. and then you know, to see from the business, because they don't have the business acumen, they do, yeah. not, do not see the value of the mm-hmm. product they are actually you know, uh, proposing to the stakeholder. They, mm-hmm. they always try to uh, you know, uh, present from a technical point of view yes. of the solution, where the stakeholder do not appreciate and then they do not they don't know, okay, I don't care how complicated is your model yeah. or how accurate is your model. How do I use it? No? Yeah. And, and, and in the most general sense is, how do I make more money from this? Yes, 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 <laughs> That's yes, the yes, most yes. important part. Yes, I agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's a challenges of uh, managing stakeholders. How about challenges managing your team? Ah, okay, that's another story. Lah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so basically, uh, I've been blessed. Lah basically on on the teams that i have um currently and previously we we have a strong bonding between the team and and, and most of the time um my challenge in my team is uh to get them to understand like you said the business acumen of the solution that we're trying to build like for example uh like based on my experience most of most of the uh my team members right that work in on, on the data engineering side what they do is they trying to they trying to always build a, 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 a sort of changi solution or more advanced solution right they trying to propose or basically Netflix have this sort of like tech stack or sort of like architecture why not we copy and then we we try to implement here in in, in our organization lah. but normally that, that's not the case because as a as 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 a leader we need to look into like for example, costing, your 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 security part, bit and what's not, and also need to look into whether your architecture or your solution or your design fits or not on 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 for example the scale of the problems that you wanted to solve. What are the ROI of that uh implementation or solution that you wanted to build? So all those things, trying to convince them, trying to explain to them that sometimes we need a simple solution out of this problem. Sometimes they, 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 they. I think they, they think that oh, maybe my boss is like a conventional, conventional uh type of data person. They didn't they just play safe, trying to to build all those design in a much more safer manner and what's not. But but in reality, there's a lot of perspective or there's a lot of angle that need to be taken care of. Like for example, like the like what I mentioned, the cost. The security bit, the, the integration, the resources, the integration, the duration of the projects, and all those things. And most importantly, for stakeholder is the return of investment for yep. whatever that they invest. So those are the things that I I think perhaps the more junior data engineers or data scientists they they are they don't have this sort of like uh, views. But over the time, uh, they will learn about this lah, and 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 that should be a like natural progress to them right mm-hmm. <laughs> i think uh, now uh, if the listener is listen, listening then they will know being a being a, a boss or being a lead is not it's not simple <laughs> <laughs> especially especially for a, for a data team is is very challenging actually <laughs> yes <laughs> okay uh, I see that uh, we, um, I mean, like myself, I, I was also very passionate about running communities in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So you also very passionate about running the communities. Like you say, you have the data science communities. So, you know, let's share, you know, let's share notes. How do you see the current data science or AI communities in Malaysia? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I feel that there is a, a lot of like interest in the community, especially on data science and also AI. 
and a lot of like most of the most of the interest came from the students that going to grad and and also and also from someone that is uh, been in a in a different industry and trying to jump over to doing data and also AI or machine learning. So I feel that over the time, right? Last time when 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 I established those community, I saw that most of them coming from software engineers, from the data data personnel, right? From data professional and what's not. But over the time, it, it changed towards uh, people on on the other domain. They also trying to know about what's what or what all these things all about. And when when like you said, when the hype is growing. Uh, data scientist is a, is a serious job in 21st century and what's not. They 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 seek those value, and they try and 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 started to join this community to understand what's what what are the the things that they can learn and what's not. I feel that's a that's a good trend and 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 I feel that uh, even though those uh, community is in Malaysia is actually is still small compared to like like what I see in data science Indonesia or data science Singapore, where they have a larger crowds, they have more people, more active people there. And, 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 but, but I can sense that uh, the community in Malaysia is uh, strong. And, uh, and, 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 and I'm, I, I feel uh, thankful that I have a lot of like friends there in the community that helps me to bring bring up even especially like people like you that always uh trying to push the community and what's not and and like for me I'm 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 not really serious in running it but there's always someone else in in my team that or in that community that always like okay let's push this agenda let's push this uh this event and what's not so that everyone can benefit on that and 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 I feel some somehow I feel happy because I because I can see that those group helping, if not all, some of the some of the members to get a job, for example, um, to 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 get a new connections, to learn a new things, and I think those are the benefits or those are the objectives that I have in mind when I set up those community lah. True, so I think yeah, like you said the. Uh... It's not easy running a community in Malaysia, in, in any in, in any countries because yeah. uh, running a community is actually you need to have somebody who is very passionate about running a community because towards the end it's about you no know, there's no sponsorship there's yes. no yes. <laughs> we're actually doing it we are busy with our work we also yeah. have to contribute our time and effort running communities and then the uh, sometimes when you run communities a lot of people just want like I, I always complain about this a lot of people want yeah. to consume they want to consume but they do not want to uh, they share they don't want to contribute and share yeah. uh, when you when you when you organize a, 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 a event everybody wants just come and listen want to listen yeah. but it, when you ask for a bigger speakers nobody wants to share yeah. uh, it's either they are very shy or they they are not keen to do to to share yeah, uh, yeah. but but uh, they, they, they are they are eager to consume uh, and then another 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 thing that uh, sorry I'm a bit of complaining here no no, no, <laughs> worries, no worries. I, I, I like to listen to, to all this challenge I think about running a community is uh, because especially when you run an event which is free event people will simply sign up but then they yeah. uh, they didn't turn out. Yeah, the turn up rate is always about no forty percent, sixty percent. People will not, will not, will not turn up. Uh, yeah. And that, I, yeah, I feel that those are those are the the, the challenge as an organizer, and it. I feel this since I was in MDEC when we last time do all those like big data event in MDEC, and in our in 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 running like big data week and what's not. There's always people that eager to sign up until the slot is full. Then. They didn't turn out. Uh, I feel that those are like common challenge for organizers in Malaysia, especially if you do an event on week on on weekdays. <laughs> I feel that weekend a lot more people, but weekdays after work, feel like the the take up is a bit slow lah. Yeah, I mean, I I I I I've been participating a lot of MDEC event. The the worst mm. thing is people take up all the slot and then if they they if they can't make it, they don't drop it. And yes. then, especially at that they prepare a lot of food, and then towards yes. the end, the food are all wasted. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. True, true, true. So I think, uh, I I think the people should really know, you know, if you want to join a community, what's the best etiquette to join a community? You know, if you can't make it, then you no, know, don't waste, don't waste a slot. You know, mm. make sure you don't you know, drop it, and then allow, allow other people to sign up. Yeah, I feel that 
in order for you to to join a community, you must have an open minded, where you need to be able to not only consume like you said, but also contribute back to the community. Is after all, it's a community where you need to give and take lah. Whatever yep. that you that 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 the knowledge that you have, the sharing and so on, then the community can get going and get bigger and what's not, and 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 I feel like like <laughs> I I agree I seconded on on what you saying, in Malaysia there's only selected few people that is uh, uh <laughs> that is that that love to share, but most of them is just like waiting and whatnot. Yeah. But I feel that if let's say we put a control wish, I try to experiment this. Uh, I try to try to experiment. If let's say we put a control wish, controversial topic a bit, then a lot of people started to <laughs> started to to you know to to participate on those things. But if you if you start to share you know use cases or some of the challenges, then they then people will start okay. Yeah. So that's so that's why sometimes we have an event uh Always the same people come and speak, yes. and then then people say, "Why you always choose your friend to come and speak?" It's not that. It's not that, <laughs> it's not that we always give uh, the 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 slot to our friend to become speakers. It's just that nobody wants to become speakers. And then only the same people who want to contribute and are willing to share. You know, they always yes, said, yes. uh, they they are they are they are the one who come and think of a new topic, you know, or uh, or recent recent topic. They, then they they prepare the presentation and then they come and share. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, so yeah. that that's that's the thing. Uh yeah, so like you said, the contribution is very important. So I think one of your biggest contribution is during the COVID time is you build the corona corona tracker together with Dr. Lau. So mm-hmm. maybe can you share some of your learning experience going through this process? Okay, so so basically, okay, just just to summarize, yeah. I mean, uh we started it's a community project uh for corona trackers and and we started like when we heard about the J the, the the first they call it like I think uh Wuhan virus around that time they yep. call it Wuhan virus and and the cases start to increase in 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 China and JHU John Hopkins University started to uh, come out with their own dashboard to track the the at that time it's still endemic lah in China and we feel that oh my god me and and Dr Lau talking about how bad is this dashboard <laughs> and 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 we feel that we can do better i think i think we can do better and then from that day from that conversation it turned to be more serious uh talk lah okay then then i start to share in uh, in my in in data science malaysia and start to look for volunteer uh that that has the data capability or even software engineering capability to join us to build those corona tracker web, web application lah. and uh and and yeah and 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 when it start to hit, uh, when when the coronavirus start to hit globally, more and more people start to consume the page or those or or the or or the corona tracker, and uh and and we start to see the growth and also, and also we talk about challenge right. First of all is is uh of course the resources where all those people that building up those uh, uh website. They are like volunteers. We didn't pay them, so it's up to them to come and go. When they come, we can ask them to okay look into this. Uh, we we build our sort of like agile board lah, right? Start to take this task. But if they they can say okay, I want to do it, or I cannot do it, or if I do it, I take my own sweet time and what's not. So those volunteering uh, mode is a bit challenging because we cannot track properly the the, the execution of those volunteers lah. But we do thankful to them. Without them, we cannot be able to build this uh, site within forty eight hours, if I'm not mistaken. And and another challenge is always the cost, right? To running this sort of like volunteering apps or website, you requires a donate. I mean, a, a certain amount of cost to sustain your website. Uh, and 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 for example, the storage, uh, those uh, cloud. Uh, infrastructure that you be the, the all those VMs and what's not. Uh, you need to have certain amount of money to be able to 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 maintain it lah. And and also, uh, I feel that one of one of our challenge is to push Corona Tracker to be used on a our local national level lah. We have a we have sort of like when 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 uh, we when the first time Corona Tracker 
got hit, right? And everyone knows it. It started to go out into the local media and what's not. A lot of like government agency trying to contact us, sort of like to collaborate, uh, collaborate to start to building up something similar for MOH and what's not lah. But it doesn't goes through there. I mean, just stop there. And we feel we really feel that if let's say we already build it, we already we have the capability. Why not just leverage us people that have the the expertise in on all this lah? Why need you need why you need to build another uh sort of like systems or another application uh that that is ten times costly than us, right? Just leverage on whatever that we build and 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 make it better lah. So I feel those are those are the challenge lah that that we feel that around that time lah. But but overall, it's a good experience for me for Dr. Lau and also for the team that we learn how to be a data solution on a on a large level on a large scale. Yeah, interesting. So I think what I can see from the whole, especially during this uh, uh this uh, two past two years is from the corona tracker as you can actually see whenever when in crisis data scientists can also come yes. together yes. and work build and actually yes. you know, work on our track which is you no know, building something related to data and help yeah. the community there's something that is and, very important yeah and i feel around that time right during the pandemic people start to value data right they look into statistics they start to learn to look into statistics into r not if you remember yep. the r not they start to learn about you know how the infection model looks like and blah 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 i yep. feel that without pandemic people will just you know uh, didn't look didn't take data that much but now i feel because of that uh, data can can data especially data science analytics can grow well uh, in, in, in our country. Yep. So if you have listened to my previous episode, I talked to Professor Kim in Kamaru and uh, so yes. he's an epidemiologist. Uh, yeah. yeah. So he actually talked about how he used data to actually help the government on this uh, calculating mm. all this mm. R not whatever. Mm. Okay, I have the last two questions that I want to ask. Um, uh, would like to share. Uh, share uh, get to what you share about this. So what do you look for when you recruit uh, data scientists or the ML engineer in your company? What is a trait that you look for actually? Uh, of course, uh, first of all, I think the skill set that they have or the experience that they have. Uh, because sometimes some of the projects that we have, we require a very niche skill set. Like uh, currently in my current organization, we really look into someone that has a strong Microsoft Azure foundation. And uh, those are the niche skill set that we always look for. Second part is the problem problem solving attitude or problem problem solving skill set because um, always the, the 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 quality that I look into uh, or for a data scientist or data engineers is how to solve a problem, not entirely uh, just knowing how this model works or just knowing how this technology stack works and what's not but how you apply uh, those knowledge that you have or those uh, skill set that you have in cloud, for example, and apply to the problem statement and what's not. And, and obviously, I look for someone that has uh, a gross sort of mentality so that uh, they can, you know, uh, they can, uh, one, they can start to, you know, they have... Uh, uh, attitude that wanted to always upgrade themselves, upskill themselves, to learn a new technology, emerging technology, emerging tools, for example, and help the and bring back bring that back into the team lah. So those are the three qualities that I look for when I hire a person. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. So last advice, uh, last uh, last uh, advice that I would like to gain uh, seek from you is uh. Let's say now my listener, I you know, inspired to be like you, <laughs> going to <laughs> going to be a lead of a, of a of a data science team. So, any advice or tips that you can share? Uh, <laughs> I feel that, uh, one 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 of the tips that I can share is, you always need to learn about business process. If you want to be a good data scientist, you cannot run away from learning how the business works. What uh the, especially if you are in specific domain like for example financial healthcare oil and gas, media industry you need to learn about how the business works. 
how what is the current uh, process that they have what sort of like reportings or analytics that they look for that they are that they currently have and then from there once you learn about the business then you can start to implement your data knowledge or data science data science knowledge data engineering knowledge into solving those solutions and i always believe that uh, for a data scientist data engineers right you always need to start with a small scale first in your projects and then once you get the rhythm of it once you make sure that your solution works or your your insight works then you start to scale up the the solutions and and i always believe with you know like uh, my mentor once said that you 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 can do a little bit more every time right so i always believe that if you do a bit slowly and later a bit by bit then i think you can be great at what you do right cool so i think the uh, if people have looked at the Venn diagram of uh, uh, being a data scientist you need to have the you no know, type programming technical skill set yeah. then you need to have uh, probably the you no know, prof and set mathematical background and then another important part is the domain knowledge like yes. what you said so <laughs> connecting the dots is very important no so yes. i think uh, even though you're very good in technical, very good in the maths and stats, but you don't have the, uh, the understanding of the domain, you know, then it's very hard to actually connect the whole dots and actually yeah, apply right. apply what you have learned. And then has like, like, like we discussed previously, how to manage your stakeholder and explain the, the business value of your solution to the stakeholder. Yeah. That's very important. Yeah, like like I said, the business owners or, or, or all those C-level, what they look is the ROI. Whatever that they invest to you or to your team, they always look into the ROI or, or, or the, the profit of, of the business that they have. Lah. So regardless of your tools, your knowledge, always bring a value to the business. Lah. Okay. Thank you very much for your time, Hafiz. I think to, uh, today we have discussed a various, various uh, <laughs> points and then uh, we actually jump from here and there. Yeah, hopefully yeah. our listener will benefit from our you know, casual chat and then uh, we actually gain some of our tips and advice from you. So thank you very much for your time and then uh, looking forward to see uh, to actually uh, talk to you in person in, in, in yeah. the coming future. Thank you, Kesh, again for inviting me and have a good day. Have a good, have a good, uh, uh, stay safe. Okay, thank you. Right, Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify Podcasts. If you have any comments or recommendations, I will be glad to receive your voice messages. Send me your voice messages via the link in the show notes. To catch all latest episodes, you can follow this show on our website www.aimldatatalks.com or our social media such as Instagram or Twitter with the handler at AIMLDataTalks. Thanks again. I will see you next time.